0: Is I get ads like I'll see ads come up in my uh, like just online for like my own stuff and it's never where I would think it was like all the monster stuff made it's like hot topic. Wow, yeah, Uh, high school, high school Chris is really proud of himself.
1: (laughs) Welcome to your local cineplex. back welcome back to your local cineplex i just want to thank again everyone who listens to this podcast we're in season two and today my guest is chris kohler i'm mad looking at your artwork i'm like gosh there's another person who makes me just want to quit that's good i I want
0: to quit too so
1: (laughs) so chris in case people don't know who you are Would you mind kind of just quickly introducing yourself and uh, if there's any pieces that you're like, this is the piece I'm proud of?
0: Uh, Yeah, sure. So, hey, I'm Chris Kaler. I I do a lot of poster art now, but like for the bulk of my career, I did more editorial. So like magazines, newspapers, uh, book covers, ad work, uh, just kind of all over the map, really. Uh, but for the last, I would say five or six years, just been going way harder on uh, poster illustration. I mean, I still think, as far as the poster industry goes, I'm relatively unknown. Um, I'm just kind of there in, in the background. Uh, but I've uh, I've done work for Mondo, uh, just had a release with Bottleneck, uh, done a lot of stuff with Hero Complex. And Gallery 1988, and um, some Lucasfilm stuff. Bulk of my poster work right now is working with Universal Studios. So I've been working with Universal for a couple years, and that that's been like the most um, fruitful and like best experience of my illustration career. I, I love those guys so much. So, uh, most of that work though is. Uh, is very under the radar and anonymous so yeah or at least as of now
1: yeah i've just just seeing your uh, universal work i'm like oh this this is amazing (laughs) the the monster work i'm a big universal monster fan and so it's that would be a dream for me is to work on one of those oh that actually actually be partnered With Universal on that,
0: it's uh, it's unreal to me that that they work with me and that I'm allowed to do that. I mean, the monsters, like I would have done that on my own. No one needed me to. No one needed to hire me to do that. Uh, (laughs) I have uh, next year. I'm really excited because I, I I guess I can say this. I'm doing uh, a bunch of work for the that is Dino Might for a certain anniversary coming up next year. So. I'm really excited for that because that's a whole series of posters and I think it's some of my better work. That's really exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and This is the hard thing, right? As you finish like the monster work, it was like a year after finishing before those really started to like show up anywhere. And then oh, wow. you just see them pop up everywhere, like the thing is I get ads. Like I'll see ads come up in my uh, like just online for like my own stuff, and it's never where I would think it was like all the monster stuff made it to like hot topic Wow yeah uh, high school high school cool. Chris is really proud of himself
1: <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so oh, man, it's so like how's what's the experience with that working with you got a huge studio like universal. So I'm assuming one may have some assumptions of how it's, what it's like working with that. Do they give you a lot of creative freedom? It's type of stuff.
0: It's it's really tricky. Uh, the 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 short answer is no. I mean it's um, the art directors I'm working with there are some of the best art directors I've ever worked with. They're they're uh, illustrators themselves. They're designers. They're total cinephiles and they're like they're brilliant. There's just more considerations when working with the studio than you would have working for like a gallery Uh, especially like unlicensed stuff Mm -hmm. is like anything goes, right? It doesn't matter Right. Work with Universal it's like you have the consideration the first consideration you have is like the art directors and uh, the nice thing with them is like I trust them implicitly because they're so good at what they do that if they give me feedback 100 percent of the time it's going to make the piece better right so i'm really ha- super happy to get feedback uh, but then you also a lot of times you have to deal with the layer of the uh, character design team and their responsibilities like make sure everything matches up with the canonical design right right so if for instance you're doing a dinosaur with a frill you have to make sure the pattern on the frill matches their official right. asset exactly, and if you do that wrong, say like four times in a row, and you have to revise it for a week, that's that's what it is,
1: politically
0: right. speaking. Uh, and then uh, once you have, once you get past character, you still have to you know get past legal, and <laughs> and uh, a lot of times too that involves uh, getting likeness approval from. Uh, whoever's giving the likeness approval, whether it's an estate, the, the actors themselves, or the studio. And at, at any step in this process, and usually at every step in this process, you have to revise. I will have a typical piece will go through like eight rounds of revisions, from the time it's like the art is done to the time it's actually sent through.
1: That's intense. Yeah. But I I like to hear though that it's you're definitely amongst a team that they know their stuff <laughs> they know the ip they're passionate about it oh yeah and so it's you're definitely part of this team that everyone is a pro everyone knows what you're working on and so it's you can trust each other and go yeah we're all the same common goal to make this amazing
0: yeah and uh the really cool thing i mean it's like working with movies we all love it's not like Yeah, you know it's not like I'm working on a trash movie I'm not working on Air Buddies in Space which actually I would love to do a poster for Air Buddies but like (laughs) everyone loves the movies everyone is a film nerd a lot of times I'll get on we'll get on calls and you know we'll go on some random tangent and just talk about we'll talk about like Criterion stuff for for 20 minutes you know they're they're Mm -hmm. fantastic people and uh, they're really good collaborators it's uh but after a certain point, you know, it's like okay, likeness is likeness. You can't, you can't have that go wrong, right?
1: Right, right. It's a
0: it's a difficult process
1: for sure. I would definitely love to work for work with Universal on that. Do I guess is there talk about like they would want to do some more with you again?
0: Yeah, I have a lot, a lot, a lot done with them um, in the last year, and then I'm on. Uh, I have three more pieces in progress for them now. Oh. And then after that, I would love to keep working with them. I, I think, I mean, at this point, it's just like, uh, it's not even like a job. It's like working with my friends, you know, they're, they're so cool. And yeah, we have, a. I I would like to think we have like a really good working relationship. So I, I mean, for, for my part, it's like, there's, uh, that's the kind of work I want to do. Right. And I, I, would hope i could just do it as much as possible i really prefer studio work to like gallery work because i am um, i don't like dealing with anything except the drawing you know (laughs) i'm not i'm not out here i can't sell a piece to save my life so i'm not even trying Yeah,
1: yeah you say that and I'm kind of like intrigued by that because I'm I'm new to it so I'm not I'm trying to break into the industry right I'm trying to pretty much hit every kind of point of getting with the poster posse getting with hero complex gallery and so I never considered that there's a different experience doing a gallery versus working with the studio so like what's the difference there oh they're
0: they're all really different i mean i think like every gallery is going to be every gallery every brand every studio is is going to be a little bit of a different experience i mean i'm i'm really fortunate at this point i've kind of worked with almost everyone and i will say i've had pretty much universally great experiences with everyone as well i mean give or take here and there you know i think everyone's going to have like some odd experiences in the industry, but by and large, it's, it's been a fantastic experience. But, um, I think when you're working with, with galleries, it's, it's way more self-directed, you know, like if you take hero complex or like gallery, 1988, or, uh, what's another one like that, you know, like, even, even Spoke, I've, I haven't worked with Spoke though, but you could pitch ideas pretty easily. So if I have a crazy idea for a poster, I, I could reach out to Hero Complex and be like, do you, do you think this would work? And they'll work with me on it, you know? And they'll be honest, they'll say like, this. they'll be like, this is a really cool idea, But the market might not be there, or they'll be like, "Yes, do this. Let's 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 make this happen." There's there's a lot less barriers in that way. Uh, Some places like do do a split on sales, so it's like it's really dependent on how well you sell. Uh, Other places Mm -hmm. will do a flat fee plus aps, and uh, so that's really dependent on your ability to have your own cultivate your own fan base and sell your own prints as well to kind of like make up a little more on, on the back end there, uh, which, which is something I'm absolutely horrible at. And, um, like studio work is really different from all of it because it's, you don't own anything. You don't own the piece. Um, you know, it's part of their visual assets and for the most part too, your name is not associated with it. You know, like the work I do out there, my name is nowhere on it. it. It's just part of the work. Um, I mean, I think if you know my work, maybe you could recognize that it's me. But otherwise, it's just like it's one of those things. You'll see someone wearing a T-shirt of, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon, and it, it might have been one of mine.
1: Yeah. So you could just walk into Universal Studios Park, go to the gift shop, and boom, your work is there. And there's no association That would be with cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At
0: the same time, like, I, I don't mind being anonymous. It's kind of nice.
1: I think it's... Yeah, I never thought of it being two different worlds, working with the studio versus the gallery. I guess it makes sense. The gallery is more about you working as an artist versus with the studio, you're about that behind-the-scenes guy who's creating assets for them. It it's exactly like that, that's that. the difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're like working with Bottleneck, it's like a lot of the value is... the. I mean, almost all the value is the artists themselves. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I am not like if daniel danger could release a blank sheet of paper and i would probably buy it you know (laughs) like anything he does i'm i'm gonna be in line right because i just respect him and his work so much like there's you have to push the name because the name is like so much of where the value comes from especially for like collectors whereas like studio work they just want the visual asset and the visual asset has to be it, it also has to be i mean Excuse the pun, but it has to be universal in the sense that ah. you have to be able to take an image and potentially put it on a T-shirt, put it on a poster, you know, put it on a notebook. Mm. And it has to work in different contexts and it has to have a more of a universal appeal. Whereas right. in the gallery world, it's, it's much more to your benefit to have a very distinct visual style and to have your own unique language you're operating in. Uh, wow. Because that's where so much of the, the juice is, you know, like, you, you take a, you take an artist, like, like, we buy your kids for instance, right, and, and right. they're so, they're, they're incredible, and they're so visually distinct, there's just no one in the world who's going to make work like they do. But a lot of times when you're working with like a studio, they want you to be a little more of a chameleon, they want you yeah. to make work that's going to be a little more anonymous, for lack of right. a better word
1: that makes sense that totally makes sense yeah i never considered that but that makes total sense it's with the studio it's that traditional poster artist kind of position you're, you're there to make advertising assets you're there to make merch assets and yeah uh, exactly and so versus the gallery it it is more about you and your brand and your visuals that Very people much. are paying for i like that i like that you pretty much you have those two options to operate in.
0: Yeah, and I kind of exist in a middle ground anyway. Like, I don't think I really have a unique style. Like, I don't think, just naturally speaking, I'm not someone whose visual language is really that, like, out there or distinguishable. Like, if you put, I if I didn't make the work myself, I would have a hard time distinguishing my own work, I think. You know, like, I know how I work and I make work I would like to think as honestly and like open heartedly as possible, but I'm just not that dude who is going to come in with like this wild creative vision for a piece. That makes me operate in that nice middle ground because I could do studio work and not, I don't compromise the way I work when I work for, for studios. I, I work exactly the same as I would for gallery. I, I could, could go both ways with how I work which
1: is nice. Right. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause it's, it's, you say that you, you don't feel like you, you don't have a distinct style and that's what may, that may make you more attractive to studios. Yeah. Versus, uh, versus, versus someone who's, uh, has a very hard on the nose style and they kind of have to go, well, we kind of have to wait to see if we ever have a project that works with that style.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's exactly thing. that. And I think a lot of it is, I, I cut my teeth in, um, Editorial for so long that it was just. Oh, I right, yeah. have to <laughs> learn how to work in every context, and uh, for me, it's always been much more about like the concept and the mood and the emotion in the piece versus the actual physical rendering of the piece. Like, right. I don't really care about that. I mean, I, I I want it to look how it looks in my head, and I want it to convey the mood and emotion I want someone to feel when they look at it, but. In terms of like the actual strokes or like the, the rendering, like I don't know, it's a means to an end for me.
1: I agree I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I, I think I operate in that in that space too. I I come from a design world and so advertisement type stuff and just almost working from a I don't want to say a minimal, but taking something that may represent something and using that. As a poster, right? Yeah.
0: But, uh, the, so the best I've heard it described was, uh, do you know you know Vance Kelly? No. Vance is one. I'm one of my favorite artists in the world. Absolutely nice guy, but uh, he he called it "thing as a thing." <laughs> he was like, "Oh, you do that? You do that? You, those pieces where you do a thing as a thing." I'm like, "Yeah, I can't think of a better way to describe it." But it's like the double read, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you True. have like Ollie Moss, like completely. Close I, I don't know. I kind of feel like Ali Moss closed the book on that. Like, no one's going to do it better. <laughs> Maybe something.
1: More. See, like I say, I, I definitely come from that, that world of, of operating that way. But I also have a very expressive style that I also like to operate in that. I like to. It's more of a subconscious thing of like the brushstrokes and the rendering that just comes with it. Yeah. So I'm not so much focused on it. It's just that, well, that's just my hand. It just happens to be there. No,
0: I, I, by the way, your work is super dope. Um, Thank you. I mean, your work is fantastic. So, uh, but I I completely agree. Like I used to teach art college. I taught for like over a dozen years and uh, the word, the word style was like a swear word, you know, like you, you're not allowed to say style because style doesn't mean anything. Right. That's like judging a car by the paint job instead of the engine the surface like who cares what color your your house is painted how many rooms does it have you know
1: right Uh,
0: and i think people get lost a a lot of times in the poster world people get really lost in this concept of trying to find a style but it's like it's not something you should actively look for it's something you already are right this is a good way like that i think about it i think is i remember when i was a lot younger and i was applying for my first passport and you have to write in your signature on the passport and this is what whatever 16 year old me is spending a few days trying to like find the coolest signature ever and i'm like have sheets and sheets of paper trying to write <laughs> out my signature and now when i write my signature it's just how i write my name it's not something i think about it's not something i'm putting work into it's the way my hand moves when i write my name and right now my illustration work, I don't put any thought into, like the, into how I get to the finish line, it's this is how I know how to work, this is what makes sense to me, and this is what allows me to express my vision as clearly and seamlessly as possible. And yeah. Really, the extent that I have a style, it's what you're seeing is my limitations as an artist. Like you're seeing someone who's trying as hard as they can, and yeah. what they're capable of doing.
1: That's a good way of saying it. You know, your style is the limitation of you as an artist. Huh. If you, that's interesting. I, I, I guess I
0: can say this as long as, uh, let's hope certain people aren't listening. But um, I, you, so I'm colorblind, right? not not like black no. and white but I can't see right. very large segments of the color wheel and if you look at my work it's very um, it's very single tone like a lot of the rendering is one strong color palette with one very narrow color range I'm not someone who's capable of using color in like a dramatic or um, complex way you know my right. color is incredible incredibly basic it's like i go for a mood and find a palette that just hammers home that mood and that's that's what i'm doing and i like the way i use color it's 100 a factor of my limitations it's because when i when i was in college every time i had to render people i would paint them the same weird shade of green and my sister called it my shrek phase but like (laughs) I would I would get hammered in critiques because the teacher would teachers would be like why is this person green and I'm like oh damn okay well, yeah. I guess they are um, well what made the most sense for me was to like not work in a representational palette at all avoid avoid trying to be accurate and instead I was like okay if I'm not going to be accurate then I could color for mood and. Uh, yeah or concept and that really uh opened the world up to me and uh i don't think i would have found a way of working like that if i didn't have that natural limitation
1: yeah that definitely would form your style and i to me it's almost for the better because with me i struggled with color for the longest time like through grade school all the way to high school my art teacher tried to help me with color. I struggled. I couldn't. It was it, it was a it was a handicap for me, and it wasn't until college that it kind of I took color theory class, <laughs> and it kind of opened up for me. But at the same time, not having to worry about this huge spectrum of color it allows you to kind of like see things differently and or more more focused
0: yeah i mean there are very few artists who can do everything at the same time i mean there certainly are yeah right uh right the, i'm not one of them <laughs> i think like <laughs> i can focus on i'm okay at composition and i'm pretty good with like value rate like getting my values nailed but you know that that's 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 my uh my comfort zone i mean you had rich davies on right right yeah like the way he uses color I can't even comprehend it. Like, yeah, he, he did this nightmare on Elm street piece. That's like, right. I saw that piece and full well knowing I can't see that piece to the extent that you can't <laughs> or intended it. Like I don't get it. I don't get how someone's brain can do that. It, it think in that manner. And it, to me, it's like so impressive. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of his work and, uh, there's something very fundamental in how, say, he will decide to tackle a piece. And I, I, I haven't talked to him about it, but I get the feeling that, like, his ideation is centered around choosing the right colors at, at a very yeah. foundational level. Whereas for me, it's just, um, it's not an afterthought, but it's a much simpler conversation. It's like, okay, this piece feels like it should be purple. Or this, right,
1: yeah, I mean, if, if
0: left to my own devices, everything's pink, pink, pink. I just want to, I want to make my whole portfolio look like pink, but uh, it rarely comes up.
1: I'm the kind of the same way i I don't want to have to fuss about color i it's more of like, okay, let me look at the principles, what's complementary or what <laughs> you know what what whats what simple already principle? can I just okay, I'll pick this set of colors because they work well together. They have the contrast I'm looking for now, unless the poster color has a a significance, right? Yeah. If I'm trying to say something, okay, then I'll pick red for this, you know, or the, you know, or your your typical of what I've learned now is, uh, teal and orange. That's considered cinematic now.
0: Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) The the templates, right. It's like orange and black and they (laughs) get teal and orange, uh, You know what's funny is, like, I was so scared for so long of using green? Uh, like, accidentally making something green, that for a while I was tilting my blues so hard the other way that all my pieces... I was doing a lot of pieces that were this really weird shade of, like, desaturated purple, and in my head it was, like, this nice cool blue. And it wasn't until a student pointed it out to me. They're like, oh, what's that purple you use? I really like that purple. And I was like, what? I don't have any purple in my portfolio. <laughs> so he was like, pull up your site on on the projector. And we the class looked at it. And they were like, purple, purple, purple. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. It was so embarrassing. It was like. I guess it's my signature purple, but <laughs> I was just didn't want it to be green, but, uh, wow. yeah. So complimentary colors. I have a lot of pieces with purple and a spot of orange because <laughs> <laughs> oops.
1: Yeah. It's color, man. It's, it can get, you can get lost in the weeds with color.
0: Yeah. I, I, Lately, if I have to use representational color, I will just like pull up a film still and color pick out of it, um, and then <laughs> yeah. and then in the very last minute, I'll like do a glaze layer, like a soft light or an overlay layer, with like one right. one color to like unify the piece at like a low opacity. My yeah, my color sense is embarrassingly basic.
1: There's a, there's one artist you may know him. As, uh... What's his name? Let me quickly look him up. Paul Mann.
0: Yeah, I mean Paul Mann. What, what what can you say about him? He's yeah. I mean
1: his use of that 1960s color, right? And oh my god, how do you do that? I mean, Do you see things in that way? And the I mean, yeah, he picks the right stuff.
0: I mean, I think the thing with Paul Mann is you look at his work and out of everyone working in posters right now he has like one of the strongest foundations of just like raw art fundamentals like every single cover dude can paint and i I think having an analog like if you learn to paint analog like that uh and you learn in a more traditional way i think you have a better grasp you know you you can imagine you know dude has to mix his own colors so he I think having too many options yeah. could be a huge detriment
1: to the way you work. Yes. Yeah. You know, you, I think that's where it is. Yeah. If you
0: have the whole color wheel at your disposal and you could pick anything at any moment, uh, you yeah, know, I see a lot of artists do this with just like kind of go a little too wild on colors and then right. it's, it the piece lacks coherence and focus. I, I mean, I think Paul Mann is
1: just like, yeah, he's a beast. And I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is. And I think that's it's almost i think that's another area where an artist may struggle in finding their style subconsciously because yeah when you're doing digitally you have the whole spectrum at your fingertips and you can just pick and pick and pick versus when you're doing traditionally and you're having to mix those colors together you're gonna pick the colors you want subconsciously and develop that over time yeah it's the same with
0: like rendering technique like for the vast majority of my career I was uh, ink and brush and when you work ink and brush like especially the way I did it was such a small kit and it was so limited that it becomes really about the very specifics of the application to get what you need and the way I work now is those exact same techniques just fleshed out a bit more with more flexibility digital but Even I use I use Clip Studio for all my work, and like all the brushes I use in Clip, I made myself to replicate the same techniques I use on paper. The way I pull strokes on my Cintiq is exactly the same way I pull strokes on paper. It's uh, the process from like my sketchbook to my tablet is one to one, except the tablet I just have a lot more flexibility.
1: Yeah, it's. I guess it's, it's the weird world for me, is a lot of the artists I speak to, they have that world of like, yeah, we just translated our tool set from traditional on to digital. And for me, I had this weird, like, almost gap of I worked traditional for a while, and then I became a designer, stopped that, went full computer, <laughs> mouse, <laughs> drawing tablet, right? Yeah. And then... I got back into okay I'm going to be a poster artist this is what I love and rekindling that redeveloping that. So now I'm kind of like okay I kind of have to relearn the brush a bit and kind of like figure it out and tweak with the brush settings and realizing that's the thing I should be doing and kind of experimenting with that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, having too many options is is terrifying. I think it is. It's like choice paralysis, right? And if you have that in right. heart it becomes hard because you you know, like I think everyone has a vision in their head and it's like, okay, I want to express this. And when you only have like a few tools, it's a very clear path. It's This is going to work or this is not going to work. Whereas if you have every path in the world available to you, it becomes really hard to Try to figure out which one connects to your final destination. My whole process is just all based around like, okay, I have a very, very linear path. Even like my ideation is really process oriented. It's all like structured. Uh, and that that also comes from working in editorial is like you don't have time to sit sit around and like daydream about ideas. You have a deadline. And some of the deadlines are yeah. crazy too, you know, like, New York Times, I've had deadlines there that were three hours for like a a cover illustration. Right. Yep. yep. And it's like you get the call, you sit down and you move, you you go and uh, Mm -hmm. you have sketches and do in 15 minutes. So there's no time to to connect with your your soul. You know, it's like you need to a process that's going to get you to where you need to go efficiently.
1: Yeah, I am right there with you. I I worked in. I didn't work in so much traditional editorial, but I worked in jur- journalism design. Oh yeah. And so you know. we did a lot of uh, stuff that. Uh, so I did about five years in that, and so you had your daily stuff, graphics you had to do, but every once in a while, you would get, hey, we want this A1 illustration <laughs> for this for Saturday or Sunday's edition. So you had to like pump that out along with your other work. So yeah, I didn't have the time to like daydream and be our you know artsy about it yeah get it together and how to, and yeah have a workflow
0: yeah yeah it's it's hard because i think ideally you want every piece to feel inspired you want every piece to feel like it was just plucked whole from the ether you know like here is my brilliance Right. and and sometimes that happens occasionally you'll get a notion of an idea and that feels truly inspired. For me, that, that's really rare. A- and it's actually even more rare that that inspired idea is gonna be the one that art directors pick. You know, I, I've had some ideas that to me were just like, you know, the, 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 the halo around me with like the course of angels moment. I sketch it up, I think it looks dope. I, I show it to the art director and it's like, no, we want we want the big head over the scene. You know, it's like oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. We already have the big head over the scene. Um, you know, I I've learned not to show ideas I don't want to do, but I always have um, when I'm presenting sketches. There's always a range of like a conservative approach, a balanced approach, and then a radical approach. And I'm always most fired up about the weird stuff. I love the weird stuff, but yeah, um, it's rare that, that the weird stuff gets picked.
1: Unfortunately. With the bigger So, cl- like, do you. Go
0: ahead. Oh, no, I know. The bigger the client is, usually the more conservative they are as well.
1: That's. I would expect that. Yeah. So, you kind of spoke about, like, uh, when you're showing sketches. So, do you have, like, a, a range, depending on the client? If it's a bigger client, do you, like, send them, okay, here's three sketches? Or is it more with a, with a big studio? Or do you, like, okay, no, here's. I'm only going to give you two sketches to choose from. It, it
0: depends you know so actually so lately uh when you get develop a really good comfort level with a client you could start showing thumbnails which is not something i would do for like a new client because it's like right they look bad you know frankly and uh, i mean i can tell yeah. you there people could see what i'm doing right over here yeah yeah like here are thumbnails for the mummy okay And there's some thumbnails for Naked Lunch over there. And here's some unreleased stuff. Or there's the. I I ended up doing that Aliens piece. I still really want to do this They Live piece. That's so cool. That's like a parasite one I I have to do at some point. Uh, But, you know, I keep. I have hundreds and hundreds of of these little little sketches. I have like a thousand of them in just books and books. So. for some clients, I'll just share ideas because these take me a few minutes to do, right? So if it's not going to work, I want to know it's not going to work after five minutes of work, not after sketching for five hours on a single sketch that's not going to work. So if I could get to that point, it becomes way more advantageous where I could show a client 12 thumbnails that took me a day and have them say, like, this has potential develop this to a sketch versus showing three really beautifully rendered tight sketches and having them say like none of these ideas are going to work typically though i will show three sketches to a client I, I try not to show more
1: yeah three is your i would think your max it's yeah you know you actually don't want to give them too many options
0: because then they just get confused yeah. and then they get yeah. like they hit that choice thing again where they're like well I like all of these a little bit. Can you smash them together? And I'm like, yep. no, that's like yeah. binding dinner and dessert into the same dish. Right. That's not going to work. But uh, <laughs> that, that becomes a problem. But a lot of times with with uh, with with work, you know, the first round sketches, there will be a kernel of something good there that gets developed into a second round or, or sometimes a third round. I think the most tight sketches I've done a poster has been like eight or nine uh the the wolfman and dracula took me a while to get there on those and and a lot of that too is just dealing with limitations like wolfman and dracula we didn't have likeness rights on the actors which presents like a really unique set of problems for pieces that rely on the iconography of the likeness right it's like there is no movie called dracula there's a movie with bella lugosi as dracula you know his face is the role his face is the movie it's every i don't know if you've ever seen that movie it's not good yeah bella lugosi's iconic but the movie itself is like it's
1: it's yeah it's all him that's, yeah, the, that's what makes it you don't yeah.
0: render his face it's like trying to conceptualize around a roadblock like that is um, ex- for me is extremely tricky there you know there are some artists who are just like that is their their lane they they could work with like symbolism super well it's not unfortunately not my wheelhouse
1: yeah I love the work of symbolism but I agree with you something like Dracula if it's not Bella his face then it's some generic Dracula. It's not universal Dracula. Yeah. Uh, it has to be him if you're going to be doing a piece of that Dracula.
0: I had such a dope sketch for that I really wanted to do, which which unfortunately didn't work out, which was like, uh, you see the woman's face. She's like lying down holding Wolfsbane, and her neck is tilted back, and um, her the shape of her hair and the Wolfsbane form you know the silhouette of dracula over her neck and oh one day one day you know i got yeah for every every piece i have like six to a dozen ideas i didn't do so it's like you amass this archive of, of concepts so they come out
1: yeah i i came across a couple of old posters recently that i'm like these there's something there so I kind of worked on them a bit and, and and smoothed it out. I'm like, yeah, I'm proud of this. Yeah, these are old, but I'm proud of them.
0: It's always wild to me. Like I I love when artists will post other concepts, like on Instagram or whatever. You'll see like Matt Taylor will sometimes post up like his other sketches, and each one looks like a finished illustration. They're they're beautiful, but it's like you see how many great posters are out there, and then you realize there's like great concepts for posters, really tight sketches. There's Easily triple the amount, you know. It's like right. it's overwhelming how much stuff is out there. I mean, I, I can't even process it most of the time. I like try to stay off Instagram now because it's just
1: yeah, it is too much. What I find fascinating after after seeing your thumbnails, it's I've I've seen uh, Kyle Lambert's thumbnails, right? And comparing his thumbnails to your thumbnails, yours are a lot more tighter. And I like how you flood in black in your thumbnails to show that contrast and and tonality. Versus Kyle's, they're a lot more kind of gestural sketches.
0: Yeah, I think I used to work like that. And then I would look at it the next day and have no clue what I was trying to draw. Uh, I've had that moment a lot where I'd wake up the next morning. I would uh, wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, roll over, grab my... Grab my notebook, sketch it out, and like go to sleep being like, I got it. I that was that was that was it right there. And then I'll wake right. up in the morning, look at it, and be like, what was I even thinking? Like, what is this? And I still have thumbnails in my books that are like a squiggle that I know in my heart was a brilliant idea that I will never remember what it actually was. The other thing too is like in my thumbnails, the piece it, at, at the point the thumbnail is done, my finished piece is 90% done. It's just right. Yeah. Like, if you look at my thumbs to my finishes, th- every single thing is resolved. It, you know, two inches tall, it's completely right. resolved. There's no, uh, there's no major difference between one and the other. Because if, if it works this big, it'll work 24 by 36.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love, I wish I worked that way, to be honest, because I 100% agree. You're right. And you don't have to worry about the anxieties of it working later. And yeah, all those decisions have been made, they just need to be resolved. Yeah. Fully rendered. And I'm like, Zach, you need to work that way, <laughs> because I work a lot like Kyle with my thumbnails. They're very gestural sketches. And for the most part, I'll know what I'm talking about later on. But I almost wonder if clients prefer thumbnails like yours because it's more clear versus thumbnails like how i do them or kyle because i just i just today sent some thumbnail like two sketches to a client and luckily they understood it enough to sign yeah. off on it to to your point I'm like i really should try and and do it that way i, I mean it's like
0: whatever process works for you I, I know for me it's um only gets done if i'm as structured as possible uh And this is like, this is a process that works for me. So I'm not going to try to deviate too much from it. And and I mean, I think on the other hand, though, it's like, is my process creatively limiting? You know, I I think it could be, right? Because, uh, for instance, if you're working this small, then there's a lot of really complex composition that is hard to draw small that maybe I'm missing out. Maybe, maybe if I worked a little larger, I would be more ambitious. Like, I can't imagine, like, say someone like Killian Ang. I'm sure he does thumbnails, but like, I can't imagine his work reduced because it's, there's such a complexity and richness to his composition and rendering. It's like, it, it is hard to reduce. Whereas like the fact that my things can be reduced so easily might mean they're a little too simplistic. I can
1: see it both ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. In, I mean, in some aspects, though, that restriction that you have on yourself of it, it can scale down to a thumbnail size. And it makes your work easily, it's more easily uh, consumed on the internet because we all see things in that thumbnail size.
0: Yeah, it, that's a really good point. <laughs> How many people have even ever
1: seen my work? Moving, your yeah. size I mean, most part most people see your work as a thumbnail yeah like, on their phones i mean they're versus like 50, 24 by 36 yeah.
0: <laughs> you know uh, there's like 50 people out there who actually own one of my posters and they, they get to enjoy it full size but like yeah i actually even my own work i don't ever see it that big like yeah own ap's i don't this is so embarrassing but like for the most part i don't even take them out of their sleeves like uh, if I finish a piece, uh, like the second I finish rendering it, it's done for me. I don't look at it again. I don't want to.
1: Tune in next week for chapter two of this episode.